Okay. Just as a heads up, my um, I my assumption here was we were discussing um, the idea was basically to end all foreign intervention unless we're initially attacked. Um, if you want to broaden that, or if we want to have a broader, or I'm not sure 100 percent we're on the same page, but if we want to talk about like trade or embargoes or something, we can do that as well. But um, yes, yeah, we're, yes, and yes. Yeah. What do you do? You want me to start, or do you want to start? Please start. I'm I'm happy. Go okay. Ahead. I'm kind of giving, I guess, the positive position. So I believe that it is important that the United States has strong alliances around the world. I think that the influence that we gain in terms of having those alliances is essential to the functioning of the United States, both economically, militarily, geopolitically, um, in terms of trade and everything. And I think that as a result of that, we have to defend our alliances, and sometimes that might mean intervening in other countries, whether countries that are directly allied with, allied with us or countries that everybody agrees is doing something that is um, tantamount to something horrible enough that all the countries in our alliances would agree is horrible. So I'm pro-intervention in the case where the United States is defending its interests um, while acknowledging that obviously we've had problems with this in the past and every intervention isn't going to be perfect. Um, but I would say that the downsides um, outweigh the definite downsides of being completely and totally non-interventionalist where we don't do anything. I would um, I would say, yeah, you're right. We, uh, I, I disagree almost completely with that. And okay. The reason why I do is I feel like the second we decide that we should be defending our allies, whatever that is, that's mm -hmm. what gets us into wars that generally in the long run don't help, right? That's what gets us into things that I don't want us in. That's what sends young men and women off to die, traditionally more men than women, obviously, but it still mm -hmm. sends youngsters off to die. And you said the key phrase, American interests. Mm -hmm. Once you say American interests, what that actually means is American big business interests. That's what that always means. And that's my concern. My worry is we have big business interests that are, that are prepared to have people die for their interests or even just the idea of having power and such. And I guess the, I would look at our last, say, 70 years as an example and I, we can go back further if you want, but at least 70 years, I can't think of one war that we fought that actually in the long run was valuable. I can't think of any sanction that we placed that in the long run actually did what it was supposed to do. I can't think of any time that we've signed a treaty that actually worked and did what it was supposed to do. I think that's right. my issue. Sure, I understand. So for this conversation, there were kind of four conflicts that I wanted to focus on that I hope meet your criteria. So the first one okay. I would point to is the Korean War. The second okay. would be the first Gulf War in Iraq. The okay. third would be the Bosnian War. And then the fourth would be um, our intervention in Kosovo. Okay. So I guess if we go back to the original Korean War. So yeah. when North Korea wanted to invade and take over and establish an authoritarian regime throughout all of Korea, and we yep. intervened to prevent that, do you think that that's something that we should have just allowed to have happened? Um, I would look at two different things. The causes mm -hmm. of that first, and then I'll answer. So I want to hit two parts. First off, if we had been speaking to the Japanese and not done unconditional surrender, we could have avoided this. So it's our fault that that they even had to be two Koreas. That shouldn't have happened. But we did it, and now there's two Koreas. So should we have not, should we have stopped Kim Il-sung from uniting uh, the Koreas. Uh, no, we shouldn't. No, I disagree completely. I think we should have allowed Kim Il-sung to mount his offensive. And if he had conquered 
uh, Korea, then there'd be one Korea right now. And that Korea would have gone under Kim Il-sung. With Kim Il-sung as the dictator of, of North Korea starting in 1950, um, of, of all of Korea at that point starting in 1950, well, now he has to retain his regime. He has to keep that regime going for the next, in this case, 70 years. Could he have done so? Maybe, maybe not. Would the Chinese be so aggressive with keeping him safe and giving him money and such? Maybe, maybe not. They're doing it now because we have troops in South Korea. So now North Korea has become a buffer state. If there is no North and South Korea, then there's no need for our troops in South Korea. Then there's no need for a buffer state, in which case maybe China treats Korea like it treated Vietnam. Let it go. After Vietnam, the Vietnam War, and we got out in 75, 20 years later, we were trading with Vietnam. You can buy furniture from Vietnam right now. The Vietnamese people are way better off than the North Koreans. That's for sure. So they would have had their own country in whatever way they felt appropriate. The Kim Il-sung regime may have survived, or maybe not. Who knows? There may have been some other type of, of, uh, of regime that came into play. But let's say Kim Il-sung's regime survived. He would have had a full Korea to deal with. He probably started, would have started trading with Japan. Again, there's no South Korea, so there's no Cold War in Korea. If, if Kim Il-sung takes over Korea, the Koreans have their own peninsula. There's no Cold War in Korea, and he can grow his country as he sees fit. I, I, think, I think the argument that North Korea would have been North Korea now is not a, is not a solid argument. So we both acknowledge that baked into your ideal outcome, there are a multitude of assumptions, any of which we could go back and challenge. So for instance, um, just because Korea is allowed to develop on its own um, doesn't mean that it wouldn't be an authoritarian regime. China could very Correct. easily continue to bolster whatever government exists there, as they do with Kim in North Korea. Um, yep. That buffer states can exist even if there isn't a South Korea, just because of regional interests in that Southeast Asian area. Um, we can also on. agree that... Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Where else is there a buffer state in all of East Asia? Um, where else is there a buffer state? Well, I mean, like, are, in East Asia, I'm not sure, but arguably every single country that exists on, on the borders of NATO could be argued to be a buffer state, depending I'm on how you look about, at it, right? I'm talking like, about China supporting <laughs> Korea. China does not support Vietnam the way it supports Korea. China does, does North Korea. China does not support Mongolia that way. It does not support Laos that way. It does not support Myanmar that way. No, no countries that border China, none of them, which all in theory could be border states, Nepal, insert country here, none of them do they treat like they treat the Koreas. That is that is the exception sure, in all of Asia. Sure, that, that, that is indeed the exception, for sure. Yes. But, so why that, would I that, assume so, it wouldn't that, be like everything else? Well, for, well, we're also looking at the conditions that exist in those countries as well. So, for instance, yeah. when you say, like, Korea, a unified Korea could be like Vietnam, nobody living in South Korea wants to live like the people in Vietnam. Um, the explosion and growth, the asset to the entire world and to the United States and every other trading country that South Korea represents on the global stage far, 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 far surpasses that of Vietnam. My Great. guess is going to be that any individual living in South Korea is probably happier living in South Korea than they would be under anything related to Vietnam as well. Probably true. Um, so... I, I, so I look at somebody like South Korea, that is an important U.S. ally, um, somebody that exists in the region um, that we rely on for, well, we don't rely on them, but that is like an incredibly valuable trading partner, um, somebody that we arguably prevented from being ruled by a single authoritarian regime, somebody that you could argue was important in our victory in the Cold War. I don't know if you would have preferred America to lose that or how, how you see that happening with the Soviet Union. Um, it, it just it seems to me that when I look at a conflict like that, this is an example where the U.S. intervened. And what we have later is pretty positive. 
that South Koreans, that that country exploded in terms of what it achieved, similar to like Taiwan or Hong Kong, it exploded economically. And the people there are happy and probably better off there for it. Um, and the idea that in some hypothetical world, maybe if all these things would have been okay, it would have turned out okay. Um, I don't know. I think I kind of prefer what we have right now to a hypothetical counterfactual you that could have would, had a million other things going wrong. You prefer a god king in North Korea with starving population and nuclear weapons? That's better? I would disagree with that. We, the odds are, and I'm all, you're right, there's no way I would know what would happen. I'm only going with what happened to every other, every other nation in Asia that also fought in World War II, that was also occupied by Japan, all those things, right? None of them have nuclear weapons. None of them do. Only China does. None of the others do. So why would I think I'd have a nuclear uh, North uh, Korea? I, there's no reason to assume that it would go nuclear. Not just that, none of them are treated like North Korea. None of them are, are propped up that way. Why would I assume that? Not just that, none of them are our enemies. None of them are coming after us. Right. We now have a North it's, Korea that is our enemy. Why would I assume that? So the, 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 it's really hard to counter, because in your counterfactual, everything is going perfectly. But we could conceive no, 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 of no, no, other no. scenarios. So like, for instance, Japan is not happy with the way that North Korea functions in that region, right? They complain yep. to us constantly, South Korea's not happy, yep. right? It's entirely possible that maybe that North Korea, we talk about a buffer state. I don't know if you consider it possible, but maybe Japan becomes the new buffer state. Maybe Japan becomes an area where a lot of conflict starts to occur now because Korea is something that China doesn't have to um, worry about anymore. Now, I don't know if that would be the case, yeah. but I mean, if you're going to posit very confidently that, well, the, a unified Korea is good and everything functions, well, then I can confidently assert, I'll say, oh, well, in that case, no, no, no. Japan would become the new battleground, right? I, I did not say everything would be great. We fought a war in Vietnam. I'm not mm -hmm. saying everything will be great. I'm just saying, if I look at all the other countries in that area, the only one that's had this problem is the one that we stayed and won the war in, or tied, I guess won the war, stopped the, the attack. In every other country, in Vietnam, we lost the war. And the communists won. The they communists did. won that one. So in <clears throat> every like if we other compare part, it's better than North Korea. The biggest problem that we have in, the, in all of Asia, the exception of China itself, is North Korea. And what and my argument is only one thing. It wouldn't be the North Korea of today, only nothing is perfect, only by judging every other Asian country. None of them are the enemy that North Korea is. None of them have nuclear weapons. None of them have threatened us. None of them are attacking Japan. None of them are buffer states. None of them have created anything else. So why would I assume that if we had just left North Korea alone and lost the war there like we lost in Vietnam, the same thing wouldn't have happened. In Vietnam, we lost that war, and 20 years later, we're trading partners. Why couldn't we have just lost the war in Korea, 20, sure. and 20 that is years going to be a trading partner? That is true that 20 years later, we are a trading partner, but Vietnam is an incredibly poor country with people that have a lot of economic difficulty yeah. that we are having trouble trading with because we apparently can't sign multilateral trade agreements anymore. Um, I just yes. The idea that like the existence of South Korea um, should be completely abandoned um, because I guess we're assuming that if it would have been a unified Korea, we wouldn't have any problems in that part of the world. Um, you keep I, I don't going know. Superlatives. A... I'm not going to superlatives. I'm not saying no problems. You keep saying we wouldn't have any problems. Everything's all perfect. I've never said mm -hmm. that. Vietnam is not perfect. Cambodia is not perfect. I'm agreeing with you. These are not perfect. But do you hypothetically let's say let's, let's say 20, that hold on. There's 25 mm -hmm. to yeah, 30 sure. million people in North Korea right now. Mm -hmm. I would bet all of them, with the exception of the elites, would rather be in Vietnam right now. So you're arguing about North South Korea. I could easily make North Korean. And there's more South Koreans, about 50 million, give or take, South Koreans, about 25, 30 North Koreans. So, mi million. So there's more South Koreans, I agree. 
But the people in North Korea, if they only got to Vietnam level, for the sake of argument, they only got to Vietnam level, they'd be happier. So the people who'd be nope. sadder, people would be happier. What if all of Japan was at Vietnam level? Because under your non-interventionist policy, we let China invade Vietnam, we let North Korea invade South Korea, all of those are now part of that big communist bloc. What if China says, well, now we're going to go and invade Japan afterwards? I imagine you would also have to take a similar non-interventionist policy. Do we just let Japan fall to China as well, and they become their own Vietnam too? Or Well, are we, are we done with Korea then? Well, I mean, I'm just applying that similar type of argument, I guess, to any and Japan is in the region. So, I mean, no, I, I don't mind. But you said you want to do four specific things. As long, if we're done Korea, sure. I'll go here. No worries. Are we done Korea? Um, yeah, I guess so. Sure. Um, okay. So, so yeah. in your okay, so sure. So the second example that I would have would be the first Gulf War in Iraq. So no, Saddam no, Hussein no, no, invades. You, you want to go? To, you want to go to Japan? Uh, well, we, I guess we can, well, no one, you tell me what you there's not like a Chinese, yeah, we, we, yeah, the next one, I mean, we can talk about Japan, I guess, so hypothetically, like, let's say Japan would get invaded by China, do you just let that happen? Yeah, the, the, the reality of those, of those issues is, if, if China had, China didn't invade South Korea, North Korea invaded South Korea, China, China only did invade Vietnam, Vietnam though, right? but that's a different but they actually didn't invade Vietnam. They supported Vietnam, but they didn't actually invade okay. Vietnam. The last time China invaded Vietnam was like hundreds of years ago. I mean, hundreds of years ago. So China okay. didn't do any of the invading. In both cases, these were just countries trying to unite. Ho Chi Minh, I don't know if you're the background on this, Ho Chi Minh wasn't originally a communist. Ho Chi Minh wasn't originally a communist. He tried to get the Western powers to allow him to unite his country. When the French wouldn't do it, and they fought the war against him, and the French got their asses kicked and had to leave, the Americans, as the fools that we were, we got involved. All we had to do was basically leave Vietnam alone. That's it. And Ho Chi Minh would have created his own Vietnam. Would it have been communist? Maybe. Would it have been capitalist? Maybe. But it doesn't matter. There, we have no right to decide what Vietnam should be. And we can't do it. We fail it. But, but other countries do, though. Isn't that the problem? So after we left... China invaded Vietnam, yeah? Uh, after we left, yes, but not, yes. not, not prior to the Vietnam War. Sure, Correct. but so, yes. th so this is going to be like an overarching, theme, oh, an overarching theme that I have, right? That you want to make the decision that we don't interfere in these other countries because we don't have the right to do that, but every other large country is going to. So don't you just okay. slowly cede influence to all of those? You're just okay with that? That just happens? So let, let's assume that happens. Did, didn't China mm -hmm. invade Vietnam after, after we left? China invaded, right? So okay. they had a war. They, I think they had border war, if I'm not mistaken. That, mm -hmm. There was some kind of conflict. I forgot what the conflict was. But there was some mm -hmm. kind of co conflict after we left. Okay, Vietnam still trades with us. So? So are you telling me you're prepared to send another half a million Americans over there so that we have a, I don't know, a better trading relationship with Vietnam? I, I, so, I Vietnam, Vietnam, yeah, so Vietnam trades with us now. People yeah. kind of have to trade with us because we're the United States of America, right? We won that. the Cold War. Let's say hypothetically, though, the United States loses the Cold War. Um, okay. Let's say the United States doesn't defend any allies. We don't have NATO. We don't do anything in the UN. And the world slowly is more and more Chinese and Russian dominated. That's is that, right I guess, now. Sure. Well, China, China, right yes. Yep. Sure. Right now. But do you think that that's a world that you would prefer to live in as an American going forward in the future, where it's like a Chinese or Russian dominated world instead? Because well, then we might not have those trading partners, depending on, right, maybe our sanctions on another country results in them sanctioning us. Or maybe somebody else um, decides that, like, well, we're going to threaten, you know, U.S. hegemony. We don't like uh, how NATO now. works. Or... Happening now, literally. 
as we we have what, 29 is that right countries we're sanctioning uh -huh. now something like that it's happening right now and it now sure, people as are a thinking let's start having a different currency let's start going around american banking our ubs is is all has more than once been caught laundering money for our drug cartels i mean this is already up there talking about cryptocurrency there is so much of this already happening so let me go with but, 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 but in, go in your world it would happen way faster and instantly right it would kind of be like me saying like we need to get fire extinguishers in this uh -huh. house because we have um you know we've got problems and it might burn down and then you're saying well right now there's a fire in the bathroom but the whole yeah. house could be burning down right so if we mm -hmm. don't like the idea and i agree that when it comes to when it comes to tariffs, at least, they're garbage. Um, we'll probably argue about sanctions a little bit later. Um, but I do think that the United States, especially under Trump, has done a lot of really stupid tariffing and, yeah. and sanctioning, I guess. Although I'm not going to disagree probably with as many of those as you will. Um, but I do agree that's a problem. But like in, in your world, this could all yeah. be hyper-accelerated like a million times over. Why where China or that? Russia... Yeah. Why be because it was about... Be Let's assume for yeah, a moment. If, mm -hmm. if, if China could mm -hmm. invade all these countries... Why don't they? Because capturing territory in today's world is almost useless. They want to capture industrial property and banking and companies and things of I, that sort. Hard. I think that is so, absolutely incorrect. I don't think so, that's true. So why aren't why does why aren't more countries annexing more? I mean, countries China do. is China is literally right now in the process of destroying an entire group of people in the Xinjiang region in order to acquire yeah. the resources that are in that part of the world. They're literally I'm um, doing that right now. And we see north of India, west of China, east of Pakistan. We see there's a whole fight over the um, uh, the Jammu. Uh, I forget the name of it. That that region north of India where there's all that territorial dispute right now. Now, obviously, it's yep. hard to do it, but China's yeah. involved in at least. And you've also got China that is kind of sort of actively fighting to get back Taiwan. That's kind of Kashmir. Yeah. That's trying to get back Taiwan. That's trying to get Hong Kong. So it's not that they're not trying. This is really hard. All it's yes. you're kind of playing like the end game of Hold risk on, and everything is covered. You, mm -hmm. you just said it. It's overnight, and I'm showing you. No, it's hard to take over land. It's a whole lot. Why is it hard? property. Why is it hard? It's it's hard because people don't accept it. They fight back. We found out in Afghanistan, no. didn't we? We found out no, in no, no. Iraq, it's, didn't we? If China and North Korea wanted to, they would roll over South Korea in two seconds. The reason why they don't is because the United States is backing them. That's why. That's the, 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 this this would be a non-contest, and we've seen it around the world. We'll talk about the Gulf War where Saddam rolled into Kuwait. We've seen Putin and Russia roll tanks into yep. Georgia, take over Crimea. Right? People will do it, but right now the the worry is that the big bad guy, the U.S., is standing around the corner with a really big stick, and I think that that probably helps so, to keep a lot of otherwise uh, invaded people not invaded right so okay so let me if you're gonna go on that road let's walk down the road you just talked about the mm -hmm. the chinese that we we decide um that we're gonna leave south korea right tomorrow we pack up and leave south korea pull out totally do you think that north korea would invade or china would invade or any of those or any of those would happen i don't think no. that would happen but maybe mm -hmm. i'm wrong and maybe you're right and maybe china would Take its tanks, roll to North Korea, grab North Koreans, and conquer South Korea. That might happen. Now, the option we have now, if, if we do that, is to do what we've been doing. Keeping tens of thousands of troops in South Korea for, for decades, right, for decades. Spending all that time, money, and energy, and, and keeping a cold war in East Asia. But let's say instead I'm wrong, and they over and they take over South Korea. Okay. What happens to us? 
Well, what happens to us is every other country that's a part of NATO and every other country in the world that has any type of relationship with us is probably going to start looking to people like China or Russia for leadance, uh, for leadership or guidance because so the United gonna, States won't so, be trustworthy anymore. So they're going to look to the country that conquers other countries? That's what they look for? Yeah, of course. Leadership? That's why go, people look to the U.S. Yes. Yeah, of course. Gonna, yeah, exactly. We, we don't conquer countries. We just get stuck in forever wars. We don't conquer we, countries. We, we, we don't. Forever wars. We don't it's not that. Nations. It's there, we don't have a large military for no reason, right? We don't fight over presence in the Southeast Asian region um, for no reason. We don't have bases all over the world for no reason. They, they exist for specific purposes, right? We don't recruit yeah. strange countries like Estonia into uh, NATO just because we think they're a valuable military asset. We do it because the United States is backing those countries for a particular yeah. reason. Now, you ask me, like, if we pull out of South Korea, would they leave? I, I mean, like, it sounds like a silly hypothetical. Well, of course, or would they invade? Of course they won't invade. Well, like, we say, of course they won't. But I think that's because we, we take for granted the fact that, of course, they won't because the United States is there. Like, China has been testing so much um, or, or recently, um, whether it's with their cruisers in the ocean in that region, whether it's them, like, trying to get more and more influence in Hong Kong, um, yeah. whether it's them butting heads with the British over Taiwan. Um, the idea that if the United States were to just completely say, South Korea, good luck, you're on your own, like, bye, that yeah. there wouldn't be some move made by, um, yeah, the South China Sea, that there wouldn't be some move made by China or North Korea to be more aggressive towards South Korea. I don't think that's uh, unfathomable. I think that could very oh, much be the case. it could happen, absolutely. And, and say we left South Korea completely. And let's mm -hmm. go further. We, we, whatever deal we have, I don't remember what SOFA, Status of Force Agreement, we have with Korea. Whatever that mm -hmm. agreement is, we let it, we let it end. For the sake of argument, I don't know when that ends. Sake of argument, it's two years from now, right? Whatever that is. And we go, hey, when the Status of Force Agreement uh, expires, we're packing up. We're leaving. And, China, and, and Japan, same thing. Once our agreement ends, we're not renewing it. We're out. Mm -hmm. We say that. And say it's two years. Again, I don't know what it is. Sake of argument, it's two years. So they have an option. What can they do? Maybe they should find a way of defending themselves, or maybe they can have a better uh, uh, a better relationship with China, or maybe we can have better relationship with China. Maybe we could trade more. Maybe we could open up ourselves. What you're saying now is, well, South Korea is fine. So now we get to punish North Koreans for 70 years and for 70, 70 more years, or how long it takes, because we want South Korea to be fine? I'm not okay punishing North Koreans. I'm not okay doing any of that. I want people to live their life with their own countries the way they want to live their own life with their own countries. No, and it's not. Uh, we're not choosing to punish North Korea. North Korea is making those decisions on their own. The way that they okay. treat their people is there are plenty of countries that have had odds with the United States that hasn't led the same type of authoritarian regime that North Korea has. It's, they're the ones that are choosing to test, working their way towards ICBMs. They're the ones that are pursuing a nuclear yep. program. That is. Yes. So it is not. We can't just blame like, oh, well, it's the U.S. is the fault for, for hold, North hold Korean on. leadership. I would mm -hmm. say we can. And let me add, let me tell you why. We, we, we are punishing Iran. What are they doing? Looking for nuclear weapons. We've been punishing mm -hmm. North Korea. What do they do? Looking for nuclear weapons. Ask the clerk in South Africa. Why South Africa got nuclear weapons? Because of our sanctions. He will tell you that. Yeah, because when we do that, they get scared. They act desperately. And they do shit like get nuclear weapons or biological weapons. The more we punish them, the more they act desperately. If you want to make people not get nuclear weapons and not do desperate things, don't put them in a position of desperation, and they tend I, to not do that. 
I disagree. I think that nuclear weapons are countries want nuclear weapons because it legitimizes their authority as a country. Like when you have nuclear weapons as a country, it becomes very hard for people to invade you. It, you yes. gain some level of respect on the world stage. Arguably, yes. it's why Pakistan and India is where it's at. But like the, the problem that I'm taking is that like it, it's almost like a prisoner's dilemma sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If we lived in a world where Larry Sharp was the president of the United States and the head of the Hopefully CCP. Hopefully one day. Okay. Hopefully one day. And everybody was like, you know what? Non-interventionalist, like, that's great. That sounds cool. I would actually, not only would I be in favor of that, I think that's, that would be like the optimal path forward for humanity. However, I accept because, your endorsement. However, if we look at how like a prisoner's dilemma works, right? If we start to cede all of that influence yep. and another country is gaining that influence and then leveraging it in a malicious way against us, mm-hmm. under your non-interventionalist plan, we just lose completely. Why and what evidence do you have that that's true? What I'm saying is as long as we have influence and to your point, we are still an economic powerhouse. That still is true. I hope it stays for a very long time. So we will still have economic power. It's I forgot the exact number, but something like 50 percent of all financial international transactions somehow include the dollar in some way or through an American bank or something. It's, it's some crazy number like that. It's we, we're, we still have all of that. That's still working for us. We still have the culture of America. We've always had that. And we still have that. If all of a sudden, to my point, if I just I would never believe that we should just end tomorrow. That would be crazy. We have agreements with multitudes of countries and we would end those agreements as is appropriate as we agreed. If there's, if there's an opt out clause in any given treaty or when the treaty ends. We would do it that way and they would know what's going to happen. But while we'd be doing that, we could also stop embargoing and sanctioning all these other countries and opening up more markets so that people would actually actually we'd have more influence in them. The problem that you have is when you start to use your military, then people become afraid of you and they work with you because they are afraid of you, not because they want to work with you. And I don't want people dealing with this for that reason. Now, if the Chinese and Russians start getting aggressive, the Russians, to be forward, all they have is cyber and nukes. But nukes aren't really working in today's world. But cyber is very powerful. They have a massive cyber force, that's for sure. Besides that, their economy isn't even as strong as, as, as California. They have, what, 100 and some odd million Russians? Their economy's broken. I mean, they're, they're not a real power except cyber and nuclear. But again, they're not nuking. They, they couldn't invade Europe if they tried. Let's, Russia says, I'm going to conquer Europe. They couldn't, it's they not couldn't so, take Ukraine. Yeah, so real quick, the problem isn't with invading. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's not the, the threat that tomorrow China uh, actually begins to invade these countries. It's the idea that – as Well, I entertained it in a hypothetical, but that's not really what I'm worried about. I'm not, okay. You're the one that said, do you think China would invade? I don't know if they okay. would or if they wouldn't. But China doesn't need to, be, to invade to be a massive threat to the United States. The problem we get into is that when we start to cede that influence on the world stage, when the United States doesn't protect your country from conflict, when the United States doesn't um, you know, help to substitute for whatever military deficiency you might have, when the United States doesn't stand by you in terms of international conflict, people will look, smaller countries will look to other countries. You, know, you can say all you want until you're blue in the face. Well, South Korea will defend itself with its own military. No, it won't. I'm sorry. I love South Korea and I love South Koreans. They're never protecting themselves against somebody like North Korea and China without the U.S. support. That's just never happening, right? So so what are these countries going to do? It's not going to be fight or die. It's going to be like, okay, well, we're going to move from uh, being a kind of like a U.S. beacon of, of trade and freedom and whatever other stuff you want to say. Now we're going to work with China more. We're going to work with Russia more. And the problem is, is that those states might not necessarily have... U.S. best interest at mind. And when you get an 
when you get a, a an issue that comes up where there's a conflict of interest between the United States and China or Russia, well, now that we've gotten rid of all of our influence, now that we've dumped all of our influence, well, any conflict that comes up is automatically going to favor those other larger countries that are now going to lead the world hegemony. Maybe it becomes the case that China likes to continue to abuse our intellectual property. You talk about how the United States is a great country. We've got all the financial transactions. Sure, for now we do. Maybe China copies enough of our stuff because of the way that they run their stuff that now they're going to uh, – now they're the new financial cup of the world. Well, how does the U.S. retaliate? Are we going to go through the WTO? No, no one cares no. about the U.S. opinion anymore. Are we going to rely on trading partners? No, we don't have trading partners. They're China's trading partners, and maybe – hopefully they trade with America too, right? You're going to start to see all of this oh, influence oh, where China, just... where China, oh, wait, real quick, hold on, wait, real quick. Because okay. China's going to be writing all the rules as they've done as we've stepped away from a lot of like the um, TPP, we've stepped away from a lot of these big multilateral trade agreements. Other nations are going to be writing the rules for how these trade agreements work. They're not going to have the U.S. interest in mind. It might be the case that in 2020, where the U.S. is completely non interventionalist, maybe a country like Germany is closer to China than the United States. So maybe BioNTech that discovers the mRNA virus ships all of those over to China and Russia instead of the U.S., and now we die in even greater numbers because we've completely ceded our influence on the world stage. Now, I, I think you've actually made my point because you're talking about interventionalism. China doesn't intervene, and they have all this power now. We're spending our time fighting in Afghanistan, Syria, all these places. China's not. They're investing in Africa. They're investing all over the world. They're not fighting unnecessary wars. They're not intervening on other people's stuff. China goes to, to Africa. And they, and they walk in and say, oh, hello, warlord. How much bribe money will it take for me to get my railroad? And they go, well, I need $5 million. He needs $2 million, and it'll cost you 10 They go, great, take a check, done. And they start moving and building stuff. They're not injured. They don't care who, what warlord owns what warlord. They don't care who's fighting. They don't sanction anybody. They don't care. They just want to go do business. And they're winning by not being interventionalism. You've just made my point. They're actually winning now, and they're not invading countries. They're, not, they're just doing their own internal stuff and going out and spending money. At every dollar we threw away in, in, in Afghanistan, we should have put someplace else. Every time we build all these massive bases, we only need bases that will control the sea lanes. That's it. That's all I want bases for. I want bases to control the sea lanes. We don't need bases in Germany. I don't care about bases in Germany. Russia's not going to invade Germany. And you tell me Russia is going to be a bigger trading party with Germany than, than us? Russia and Germany already trade a lot. They, they've been trading partners for literally a century, if not more. So they, they've already been trading partners. But we're still bigger. And if we would spend our time investing and not bombing, we could be bigger and be bigger than China. China's eating our lunch because they're not interventionists. China, so China isn't directly interventionalist and in that they're actually like invading places and acquiring influence that way. But they do it through a whole bunch of economic imperialism regardless. Right. All of the ports that China. If you're if you're going to sit here and tell me the U.S. should engage in economic imperialism, obviously, I'm going to agree with you. One million percent, of course, because I think that's better. But this is all like part of like a, a, a foreign affairs thing um, to um, to step back for a second. My, my argument, I'm not arguing that U.S. interventionalism around the world should be the primary tool or even the first tool when it comes to our economic prosperity. Right now, I'm just talking about how there would be a difference between like a U.S.-led world hegemony versus a Chinese or a Russian one. Um, if you're going to tell me that like instead of spending all of that money in Afghanistan, you know, we should be establishing, you know, better relationships with Mexico or something. 
obviously I'm going to agree with you yeah. 1 million percent. But if you're going to tell me that we need to walk away from every single conflict in the world and let China or Russia step in and deal with it. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, people like the, um, you know, maybe OPEC and, and other large bodies around the world have friendly relationships with those countries. And again, if any conflict comes up between us and them, now China or Russia can lean onto them. And now we're just kind of shit out of luck in matters of national security. So let me move to one that's happening in America now, Walmart. Mm -hmm. When people get angry in their lawsuits with China and Walmart and America and Walmart and that kind of stuff happens, very often Walmart will side with China. Why? Because they're afraid of China bombing them because China has nukes? No, because of the economic ties between Walmart and China. So why don't we have those economic ties with all these countries and then their people will actually side with us also? We don't have to bomb anybody. Okay, we moved out of Syria and the Russians came in. So what? We should have left Syria alone. If the Russians want to spend, lose tens of thousands of people dying in Syria, good luck. I think it's a terrible idea. Let them do it. Oh my God, the Russians will control Syria or Iran or Iraq. They already do, and it sucks. It doesn't matter. They have three horrible places to work on. They were in Afghanistan and they got their ass kicked there, and so did we. It doesn't work. What you're saying, your interventionism doesn't work. Is there. Please tell me of what you said you don't want to get out of all the wars. Please tell me one war that we're in now, one that is in any way making things better. And if we got out, you can tell me for sure it'll be worse. I don't think that a lot of the conflict that, yeah, I don't think that a lot of the conflict that exists right now in the Middle East is healthy. I would support things like the embargoes on Iran. I think that that's good. Um, I don't really support the U.S. presence right now in Yemen. I know that Saudi Arabia likes us when when we're down there. Um, I think that Afghanistan has obviously been a nightmare for a long time, of course. Um, And then Iraq, the second Gulf War. Sure. Iraq, the second Gulf War wasn't good. Getting out of all the wars then. You just told me you don't want to get out of the wars. And I'm saying let's get out of all the wars. The problem is that it's not as easy as just stepping away and leaving. Because what happens is, is you, like in, the, in, the, in, in some worlds, people think that if we step away and we leave, mm-hmm. that maybe everything is okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, the world resets and everybody is chill. But, but we don't know that. Um, it, it might be the case. Wait, can you hear me? Yep, I hear you. It might be the case that let's say that we exit every single war in the Middle East, right? We agree that um, Afghanistan is probably bad. We agree that Iraq is probably bad. We agree that Yemen is probably bad, right? Mm -hmm. Do we leave? Do we do we completely and totally stop supporting Israel as well? Why are we scared of (laughs) Israel? I'm okay. In 48 and 67 and 73, Israel had a serious problem and they might not have existed. I get that concept completely. They might not have existed. Today, sure. Israel will be fine. They have sure. nuclear okay, weapons. Okay, so let's say the most powerful, yeah. the most powerful military, the biggest mm-hmm. economy. Nobody's pushing Israel into, into the sure. Sea. I agree. Today. I agree. Right now, that's true. Okay, but let's say that we step back from everything. Okay, yeah. let's say that in Yemen, the, let's say so we might step back from everything, but Iran yep. won't. So okay. Iran has their entire division, their the whole IRGC, their whole Quds force where they support yep. things that are um, in other countries. So Saudi Arabia is already being harassed by Iran, right? Yep. Arguably the limpet mines in the sea, the uh, drone attacks on their, um, uh, in the Persian Gulf, the uh, drone attacks on their refineries, right? Maybe the Houthis gain power in Yemen, and now Maybe. that's a, an Iranian-backed regime. And now yep. to the south of Saudi Arabia, now we have Yemen, that's a big problem. Um, maybe in Iraq, so Iraq really no longer looks to the U.S. for leadership because we completely left them and we were like, screw them. Maybe Iraq, Iran, and Syria are all kind of happy. 
So now Saudi Arabia has arguably enemies to the south and enemies to the north. Yep. Um, maybe it's the case that Hezbollah now grows stronger in Lebanon to the north of Israel, yep. and now Israel's no longer secure, right? So when you look at like, whoa, all, whoa, now we have all no, of our no, 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 I was good all the way until Israel's not secure. I don't care. I, how no, they, they don't have to. Is. They don't have to be not secure. They just have to feel not secure, right? Okay, now, that's fine. Israel, yes. So Israel has a capable military, sure, right? Let's say now we have an entire Gulf that feels it's surrounded by enemies, and yep. now they are friends with the United States, who no longer has an interest in protecting that region. What yep. do we do if, like, hypothetically, the entire Gulf takes an adversarial role against the United yep. States because now they decide that they would rather be more Russia or China aligned than yep. U.S. aligned? Do we just we say like, ah, oh, you know, screw it, OPEC, who cares? We just walk away from all of that. Let, let's give you two things. Number one, when uh -huh. people are in trouble and they're deciding to, you know, get weapons to fight because they're scared. Say, let's say everything you say is right. Saudi Arabia uh -huh. is all of a sudden surrounded by, you know, a, a, a hostile Yemen and a hostile Iran. In my uh -huh. world, we're trading with both of those countries. We're also trading with Saudi Arabia. We're trading with all of them. Iran, there's no embargoes in Iran in my world. With the one trade, trade. I don't care. Let's 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 make some money. All good. Not just that. I'm not, again, I'm not just walking out. I am looking at whatever treaties we have and still honoring whatever whatever contracts America dealt with, we're going to honor those contracts and get out in a way that is okay by our treaty or by our SOFA, whatever we've done with any given country. So they're going to so know it, what's going to happen. So, so in the one. event that these places all have these big conflicts, then you're just, you're selling weapons to both sides throughout the entire they year. You're finding both into the conflict. They, they do, but I'm saying now. in going into the future, but the, you say they have them now, but but we remember it was like three years ago, or it maybe even within, it might have been Biden that finished it. We signed a huge arms deal with Saudi Arabia. So it's yep. not like they have an infinite stockpile of weapons. We're still actively selling to them, right? So you're saying that we would pull out of the region and we would just sell weapons to everybody who wants them in the Gulf and everybody that wants them in the Ayatollah and the Shia people in Iran. All of those people all get weapons as well from the U.S. The Chinese are doing it and so are the Russians. AK-47s are throughout the world on both sides. They do it already, and they're the ones, in your view, you're saying Chinese are winning. They are, and they do it, but I don't just want to sell weapons. We could also sell things like, I don't know, music and cars and computers and all types of cool things. Because you know the best way of getting people to not fight wars? By making people happier with a more positive middle class and hope for growth in the future. That decreases the odds of war. They still may go to war. But it lowers the odds. And you do that by lots and lots of trade, particularly cultural trade. But when you embargo countries, they go inward. North Korea, inward. Iran, inward. South Africa, inward. When you embargo them, Cuba, inward. They go inward, not outward. I want them to be outward. So even if what you're saying is true and the, the Iranians all of a sudden take over Yemen, if we're selling weapons to both sides, good. Hopefully they don't go to war. And if they do go to war, they'll end the war or they'll get smart and go, this war doesn't work. This is a bad idea. Let's stop fighting. Or they won't. Someone okay, so is I'm not going to fight. Someone so is the... not going to fight. And the people who don't fight are going to be the ones getting the cool cars and music and all that kind of cool stuff. And they're going to wind up getting refugees. And eventually people are going to be like, you know what? Maybe we got to stop this fighting. What? Then why does anyone in the world fight ever? If they could all just be chill and be middle class. and That would be awesome. They can't. I wish that were true. We should be encouraging that. The more trade we have, the more we shift our culture, the more that will happen. I want that to happen. We're nowhere near there. There's dictators okay, so, so, the most, so the most extreme version of this I can think of. So say Japan doesn't bomb Pearl Harbor then. Do we just sell weapons on both ends of World War II? We, we sell weapons to Germany, to Britain, and to the Soviet Union, and we just wait, sit, kick back, and see what happens? Is that uh, I'll, I'll go to two parts on this one. 
Um, first off, I would ask you to stay in the first part, but I will cover your second part. The first part, can you think of a country that we embargoed or did these things that actually became better off? But think of those. Um, that I don't know every. I don't know. I don't know every embargo that's been in U.S. history, so I'm not prepared to answer the question right now. I do know that Iran came to the table and signed a historic nuclear agreement that would have moved us in a more positive direction. That Trump unfortunately axed. Now yes. I'm under the impression, but you say yes, but a large part of signing that deal in Iran was the immense amount of political pressure that happened to their leadership because of the embargoes and sanctions from the United States. A that's, huge part of signing that joint true. action treaty, absolutely. It was no. the unfreezing of the assets, it was the returning of their money, and it was the laxing of some of the sanctions. Yes, that's what they wanted, right? Yes, exactly. So my so sanctions is, brought them to the table to do the negotiation for that Iranian deal. See, you're looking at as sanctions brought them to the table. I... I'm saying that's not brought to the table. The idea that they could become, get free trade, that's what brought them to the table. The hope of, look, we'll open everything up. That's what brought them to the table. So what I'm saying is, let's just do that. Let's just open it up and say, you know what, Iran, don't waste your time. Do not waste your time trying to uh, uh, build nuclear weapons. Instead, he, he, let's trade with us. We'll take your carpets again. So I don't know if, I, based on the history that we have in that region, I don't know if people in Iran are going to be jumping up and down to be friends with the United States. Rather, uh, the country you, would just become... Yeah. No way. Iranians love us. Come on. The, the uh, Iranian people love Iranians. The Ameri I love America. Uh, the, the, the government hates uh, us. Yes. The government hates us. And they hate our government. Why do you it, think they get arrested? Why do they get arrested for singing American music? Because they love our music. They might love our music, but based yeah. on the history that we have in that country, I do not think Iranians are big fans of the United States. We, okay. the, the, the support of the Shah and the, because of the whole British petrol and everything and the oil field, I don't, I don't think that they have the highest opinion of us supporting the, the, everything that happened our relating government. to the Iranian Revolution. Our sure. Government, but boy, they but our, government, our government is going to be the one. Sure. Of course, everybody loves U.S. culture because we're a cultural yes. exporter. For sure. Yes. But that, no, no. <laughs> they can consume all of that and still gear up their entire military and economy towards destroying Saudi Arabia. And, and they could. But, but again, if they don't have an enemy, the evil enemy of America anymore, because now they see America as, you know, when the, the new cool, whoever the cool guy of the day is, comes over there and does a concert or whatever, or does a movie opening or whatever's the cool thing, or they open up Netflix over there or whatever's the cool thing. They're not going to want to do that. Now, again, they still might go to war, but the odds clearly go down. So I just want to bring that piece up. Even if they're fighting, so what? The, the odds are they're not going to fight. But they're fighting now. This is civil war now still in Syria. Iraq's still a disaster. Our intervention has done nothing but make things worse. So I, it, me I mean, it depends on who we're talking about, like on, on behalf of who, right? So, like, would any intervention in the Middle East on behalf of people being, you know, destroyed by, like, ISIS, would they say that our intervention made things Worse, worse for ISIS? Yes. Or? And I'll cover, I'm happy to cover that too. Number one, who does it not make it worse for? The elites who are still in charge. They're loving it. They get to recruit people. They get to have people to, to, to be their suicide bombers. The elites are loving it. So they win every time we do, we, do, we do that. ISIS. When ISIS actually began to control territory, people said, oh my God, we can't have ISIS controlling territory. There'll be a caliphate in the Middle East. There is one already. It's called Saudi Arabia. They're literally a caliphate. There's already one in, in, in the Middle East, so who cares? 
But next, oh my God, they now have to control territory. They'll be horrible and they'll come after us and get us. No, you know what happened when ISIS actually controlled territory? They began to collapse because they can't govern. They began to collapse. When did terrorism wait? But go why down do you think? Why, why? Wait, wait. Why do you think they started to collapse though? Just you could just look at it. They couldn't govern. They were why not though? Because no, no. It was yeah. because they were being pressured on literally every end. You had the Iraqi military that was pressuring them with the support of U.S. troops. You had pressure from the north in Turkey. You had like 14 or 15 odd different types of rebel groups in Syria that were fighting against them. You had Assad that was fighting to recapture those oil fields in the northeast. You had support coming over at special forces from China. You had jets flying so, in from Russia to bomb them okay. in Syria. It was not just because they couldn't govern. I, you had the I, Kurdish I, people, you had the YPG, the, the PKK, the Petrin, oh, sorry. There was a lot of different pressure that brought ISIS down. It wasn't just because they couldn't wrong. govern. I'm wrong. So why do we have to be involved? I'm wrong. So why should we be there? All these other people were doing all this stuff. We could because if we're away. starting because if we're starting to have problems showing up across the world because of a yeah. particular country, it seems like it's probably necessary for some sort of intervention to help happen there, right? If if we get ISIS that is staging uh, that is staging terrorist attacks out of their territory in places no. across Europe or the United States, no, they're not. Well, ISIS they were in Europe. No, they weren't. They, those all the ISIS France shooting. Inspired. None of that. Those are ISIS inspired. They weren't is staging shit. That was people who watched their videos on YouTube and got radicalized on YouTube and did stuff. They, they weren't reaching out to ISIS fighters. They're they're all even if New that, York City even if we say then even if we say ISIS fighters. Even if we say that is the case, first of all, I'm pretty sure that like so things in the U.S. I believe so like the Miami shooting I think was like ISIS inspired or whatever. But I'm pretty sure there was like yes, yes. But there was direct coordination with stuff like the shooting in um like the big shooting in France in the theater or whatever that um. That wasn't just inspired people. Like these people were getting like support from other people. They had big weapons. They were um, coordinated. They had training. Um, but it, let's let's say hypothetically that we even granted all of that. If you okay. still have like this particular spot in the world that is supporting in whatever way and encouraging and radicalizing people to do these acts, is that not something that should like be looked into? Yeah, why are they doing it, right? Why aren't those acts? Why didn't ISIS or Al Qaeda, as an example? Why didn't they mount offensives or inspire people in Norway or in other places? Why? Because we're because seen as the enemy. We're seen or, as the or enemy. Is it, or is it because we're like the, the symbol of like the leader of the free world? No offense, but nobody gives a fuck what happens in Norway. <laughs> I mean, nobody cares if no, Norway gets- I agree. I agree mm -hmm. with you. Yes. But it's not because Norway isn't doing anything or because they aren't the United States. It's because they don't, re I don't know what Norway represents. No, Norway represents a, a, a old Vikings, I guess. But my, my sure. point is, my, my point is, they don't hate us because we're the free world. They hate us because we bombed them. They hate us because we've been invading them. ISIS got power because we knocked down Iraq. That's why ISIS became powerful. We created ISIS. We, that's not true. We, we encouraged ISIS. That's better. We didn't create ISIS. Part of the development, part ISIS. of the later development of ISIS in Iraq was probably due to the power vacuum left there. I agree. But yep. a lot of ISIS's foundation came from Syria. They yes. made a lot of money running those oil fields and trucking that stuff north. And that didn't have anything to do with Iraq. So, I, I mean, like, agreed. I don't That's why sure. it was first called ISIL, which was in the Levant. Sure. And then it yes. became ISIS. Yes, I totally sure. agree. I got you. That's where the shift came in the name. I'm with you. But again, so what? Did, it, did they bother us? ISIL wasn't bombing us. ISIS didn't care about us. ISIL didn't. ISIS does. Leave them alone. I, I guess so. You know what sure, they'll so do? I, they'll deal with their own stuff. Leave them alone. So I, is the, is the, I guess, like, I think fundamentally, 
I, I think we have different views of where the world goes. I guess from a macro level, it feels like you think that if everybody is just left alone, people will just start trading and economying with each no, other and people will be happy in middle class in the form. Okay. No, I don't believe that at all. No, I don't. I'm saying the world will be better off. There will still okay, so be wars. There will still we, be sure. people fighting each other. I just say we'll be better off. So I'll go so back we, to what you talked about with World War II. Yeah, World War II. Enough, I will. Uh-huh. I will say World War II happened the way it did at least because of what we did in World War I. If we had just stayed out of World War I, the odds are, we don't know this for sure, but it looked like the central powers would have won. Probably Germany and Austria would have won World War I. If they win World War I, well, there's no World War II the way we saw it, right? There may have been some other World War II, but it wouldn't have been the one we saw it. The odds of them going through that, there's probably no rise of Hitler, right? I can't even imagine what the world, because now we're Absolutely. in like a totally different, but yes. let's, at the point so, of World War II, because if we go back, if we go back infinitely, the U.S. never exists because France doesn't intervene and help us in the Revolutionary War, and now everything is gone. So yep. we're not going back to, to, to no interventions ever. So the point of World War II is happening, where we clearly see that there is one power that is starting to take over the entire freaking world. Um, we, we, but we, we, as long as Japan never attacks us, we don't intervene. We just let it happen? Yeah. Yes. Yes. We lost half a million Americans and started a Cold War and supported the Soviet Union. Because of our intervention in World War II, that's what happened. And to be clear, most people don't know this. I've asked this question in the show before. It's a trick question. When did the United States declare war on Germany? We didn't. Germany declared war. Well, that on wasn't us. part of declaring the war on Japan, wasn't it? No, like part considered the entirety of the not at all. If Germany didn't declare war on us, we wouldn't have gone to war against Germany. Germany declared war on us. December was it tenth or eighth? I forgot when it was. Hitler declared war on us. We well, declared sure, but Japan, but Japan, where they were allies, right? So we know that declaring war on Japan that's going to be no, because Russia was fighting Germany. Russia was not fighting Japan. No, that's not how it worked. Germany declared war on China. China wasn't fighting Germany. J- Japan declared war on on on, on so, America. Germany. The assumption China. is that okay. So you're assuming that if Pearl Harbor bombs us and we go to war with, J- or I'm sorry, if not Pearl Harbor bombs, if Japan bombs Pearl Harbor and yep. we go to war with Japan, yep. that Germany would just chill and do nothing, and that we would just chill no. and do nothing. We would just stop with Japan, or what? No, what probably would have happened. And again, this is all hypothetical. So I realize what I'm saying is maybe ifs ands. Actually, there was a book written, believe it or not, by Newt Gingrich. Uh, he wrote a book called 1945. And the book he wrote was the assumption, in his fict- fict- fictitious book, um, Hitler actually goes into a coma. He has a, car, he has a car accident, I think. And he goes into a coma in December. So he's in a coma when Japan bombs Pearl Harbor. So he never declares war on Russia. And in his book, um, we, de- we, defeat, um, we defeat Japan, Germany defeats Russia, the British sue for peace. And it's a cold war between us, the Brits, and Germany. That's his. Okay, goal. but Germany, Germany literally declared war in the United States after Correct. we declared war in Japan. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't. So Correct. How- You're acting like, well, we go, we're going to do something. We weren't planning to do anything. We sent Jews back to Europe when they came to us. We sent them back. We weren't, we weren't trying to do anything. We weren't trying to it. The, the, the largest, I don't know if you notice, the largest group of ethnic group people in America is Germans. That's the largest ethnic group in America. And there was a thing called the Bund. The Bund was actually German-Americans during the 1940s 
who supported Germany. We weren't going to war against Germany unless Hitler declares war on us. So this idea of us intervening and saving the world from fascism, it came to us. We weren't planning on doing anything. So I, don't I understand that, that originally we wanted to be non-interventionalists, but we Correct. did we intervene. And I feel like most people would agree that the U.S. intervention was probably a positive thing. But it seems like you're saying that the U.S. probably shouldn't have intervened. If Japan hadn't attacked us, we let Germany run all of Europe, and then Japan and Russia and all of them are friends. And then I'm, I'm saying the same thing. The reason why Japan attacked us is because of our economic sanctions against them. Our economic sanctions against them is why they bombed us. That's the reason why they bombed us. If we didn't have economic sanctions against Japan, they don't okay, bomb is there, Harbor. Is there sure? But is there? And yeah, I also, I'm pretty sure it's because of, all, in large part, because of our support of the Soviet Union as well, because of all no, the materials that we're sending. China. It was our support of China. We supported okay. China against Japan, <clears throat> and so we put embargoes against them, trade embargoes, but not only trade embargoes, immigration embargoes, immigration halts, all types of things sure. against them because of their war in China, because we were supporting China for some. I guess we like sure. Do you China. think that there's ever a world that ends with World War II, with Japan Union um, and Germany winning and taking over, that ends up being more positive for the United States afterwards? Do you think that that world ends up better for us and most people? It's a, that's a very good question. Um, I think. Well, but that's what you're asserting throughout this entire conversation yes. is that it would be a better world. So let me uh, let me walk down that road. Now, I think it would be a better world and. A more just world in general, because again, I I respect the I respect the, the 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 rights of people to run their own world and run their own governments. So that too, right? There's a philosophical piece on top of it. But let's say that the Japanese we, we don't do anything bad at all uh, to the Japanese prior to World War II. We don't have trade embargoes. We don't have any of these. We don't have immigration bans, which we had all of those things against the Japanese specifically and Chinese to a certain extent. We don't do any of that. So we slip, try to go back and forth. Then there's no need for them to bomb us. Japan has no natural resources. That's why they had, and they wanted to become an industrial power. So they wanted initially, if you look at your history, people can check out if they want to, initially they were trying to trade for those things. But we told them no. And because we wanted to support the Dutch who had colonies there, the French who had colonies there. All of East Asia, except for Japan, was colonized. I think Thailand also wasn't colonized, I think. But Japan was about the only country not colonized. So they were saying, hey, Dutch East Indies, uh, French Indochina, British Burma, American Philippines, will you please trade with us so we can grow and be a powerful country? And we said, no, you're Japanese, go to hell. And they said, great, we will then create the, the Greater East Asian Co-Prosperity Sphere, if my memory serves correct. And that was them invading all of our colonies and saying they're ours now. They basically said Asia for Asians, like we said America for Americans. And if they had done that, and we, if they just traded, they wouldn't have traded that. They created that because we wouldn't let them trade. All they would have what done do we is do? What, Korea. What, so what do we do when that unified body then comes yep. to U.S. shores to destroy us? Because at that point, we've completely and totally and utterly lost. There's no hope for us. Uh, and here's why I disagree. If we had just traded with them, they wouldn't have invaded the Philippines. They wouldn't have invaded the Dutch East Indies. They wouldn't why do you have, why do you have this assumption? How do you know that the that so when it when it comes to people like Mussolini or the Emperor of Japan or uh, or Hitler or Stalin, yep. these were not people that were driven by libertarian economic ideology. Correct. Like that, that's I not agree. what these people were after. Or when you look at people like Mao, these people are not looking for. I just want to trade and be friends with everybody, right? That's Correct. not their ideologies. The I idea agree. that. 
simply because we won't attack them. Well, they would never attack us. It's a beneficial relationship. You know what else is beneficial? It's them conquering us, stealing and taking everything from us as well. They feel like they have the means to do so. So I don't understand how you can have this world that exists hypothetically where 90% of, of, of Europe is now ran by Germany or split down the middle between Germany and the Soviet Union, where Japan is allowed to expand its empire across the entirety of Southeast Asia because that's what the Japanese wanted to do. And now, now that they've gotten all their expansion out of the way and everybody turns their eyes to the new world and they're like, oh, America, yeah, they're chill. I think we're, I think we're content now, right? This, so, this sounds like an appeasement on steroids. Why do we think that they wouldn't come after us at that point? I'll, I'm happy to explain all of that, absolutely. Japan wanted to trade the only thing they wanted to invade was korea and that was they've been invading korea for a thousand years they somehow believe that korea is theirs in some way they've been invading korea for a thousand years so they would have kept korea as a colony they would have done that and they would have covered correct manchuria which they changed the name to manchu kuo if not mistaken they created manchu kuo which is northern chinese that's all they would have kept why we know that they only went further when they had to get more resources when you give them the resources to be a trade the japanese did not invade that's how I know they didn't, but not just that. They didn't have the military to do so. When Yamamoto made the plan for Pearl Harbor, he told the high command in Japan, he said, guys, I give you six months, then we're finished. There was never any plan to invade America. It was impossible. They didn't have the power, the bodies, nothing. They were recruiting people and sex slaves and workers from Korea to work in Japan because they didn't have the bodies to literally hold on to all the islands they had. No, Japan could have never conquered all of Southeast Asia, never held it, never conquered China, never. Yeah, but would have said, wait, why do you fantasy. think that, though? Wait, why do you think that, though? They couldn't do it now. They could never people would it. people people probably would have said the same about Germany, Germany post World War One. I don't even know if they were, but they did. <laughs> Germany World War II conquered almost the entirety of Europe. And that's with the United States playing only one side and exclusively trading with one side of that conflict. Yes, but the, what. Let's say the Germans had done that. The Germans had conquered Russia or whatever. You, you insert things. Not like Russia. We'll say they say they conquered the majority of Europe and they have their alliance with Russia that they tried to do. Okay. They let let's say they no. Let, let's go to your point. They smash Russia and they make Russia like behind the Ural Mountains or whatever they do, and they make the massive Grossen Grossen Deutschland. They make the whole the whole big thing they want, and Berlin's the center of the world. Okay. So now they're gonna trade with nobody. Now they're not going to – what? The empire well, – arguably, they, these people, they don't care about trading. They're fascists. They don't work the same way that you and I do. What they want is they want racial purity. They want an ultra-nationalist yep. state. They want one yep. party. They want to regiment the state in such a way that it yep. optimizes the survival of their nation and their yep. people. They don't care about trading. They, they run off of a different type of fuel. A hundred percent. Now, as you do that, and you could see it already happening in Germany. In Germany. People don't know this. In Germany, they tried to kill Hitler 44 times. Germans didn't want Hitler. They tried to kill him 44 times. Could you imagine if he had controlled all of Europe? Eventually, even that empire falls. They, that empire came out. Fascist empires, they only last when it's an internal struggle. The second I, they go outside of that struggle, they collapse. Internally, fascist I mean, maybe, I mean, if they, they I, this, please show I, me I one example know. of fascists surviving outside of their own country. Fascists didn't country, survive because country. America showed up and intervened. So they got destroyed. So, of course, they didn't survive because they were taking the opposite end of the conflict of the United States. Had the United States not intervened, maybe Germany turns out to be an incredibly successful autarky. Autarky, I think I pronounced that correctly. Where they are completely self-sufficient. Where they don't have all the drama and all the, a what? Autocracy. 
not um, there's a word for it. I think it's autarky. It's the it's the concept of a self-sufficient na nation. Like ah, you don't need to I trade see. with anybody. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like maybe they do achieve that. Maybe they don't have that conflict. Maybe the people there are genuinely happy. They execute whatever minorities or whatever groups people they want. And then they, they live in harmony. It's possible. You know, you can point to the fact that so many people tried to assassinate uh, Hitler and blah, blah, blah. And that makes it, I mean, we've had a U.S. president assassinated. We've had multiple yep. assassination attempts across yes. multiple U.S. presidents. So, I mean, it happens even in the United States. Um, I, like... I, I don't know. It just seems like a fantastic world where we assume that, again, given everybody, given Larry Sharp as the president of every single country, open trade, open borders, open all of that stuff is what I'm in favor of. And let people economically sort themselves out. But I don't think everybody has the same engine running under the hood sometimes when it comes to what their goals and desires are. And I think that you have to contend with other countries that might have goals and desires that are incompatible with maximal globalist economic freedom. Uh, because there I, are I, I people that are driven by things that aren't, aren't that. I actually agree with you on, on, on some of those points. I do. But the issue is, if I'm going to be in a world, I, in my view, I think I have two choices. One, where I am basically a non-interventionist. And maybe I step in the next time an actual Hitler pops up. Maybe I do. Okay, I would buy that. We are nowhere near that. We are involved in everything. We're bombing seven or eight countries probably as I speak. We're, there's, there's no actual Hitler out right now, and we're involved in everything. There is no actual chance. Right now, there is no chance of any nation conquering the world at this point. That's not even conquering a continent. That's not going to happen now. If that ever were to happen again, fine. You know what? I'll step away and, and, and we'll do it. I'm okay with that. But that is so rare. That's maybe once in a century. Maybe once in a century. So if we have to go to a war... Oh. Once in a century against the Hitler of the day, fine, we'll do that. Otherwise, let's leave everybody alone. So, okay, so looking back, I don't remember if we even touched on this. So when Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait, do we just leave that alone? Of course. Of course. What did that give us? What that gave us was tens, was it 10 years or more of no-fly zones and embargoes and punishing uh, the, the Iraqi people, that's what it gave us? No, thank you. Let them have it. Him and Saudi Arabia can fight over it. Let Saudi Arabia so what and, if, what, what if, and Iran fight over it. What if that area, though, isn't there a chance that that area just descends into even more chaos? We that... didn't stop them when they fought a 10-year war. Was it an eight-year war? A 10-year war against Iran? Sure. Iran over a million people. Far they did? Than, Kuwait doesn't even have a million people in it. Iran lost a million people. I don't know what Iraq lost. Iran sure, lost at the, at the, sure, at the end of that Iraq-Iran war, right, we'd already seen that Saddam was willing to engage in chemical warfare. We see that yep. they're invading Kuwait like that. So, um, but we just, I guess we just don't care. I'm guessing so then it's the same thing it's, for, it's so for like. It's not that we don't care. We can still say, we look, I can still, if I'm this magical president you're talking about and I become president, I can still do the, what I think is the most important thing is use the bully pulpit with a moral war. I'm okay with well, that. But there is no moral war if there's nothing backing it. It's what, what was it? Was it Roosevelt or who, who? Who said it's like walk quiet, walk softly, but carry a big stick or whatever? There, there, there is no bully pulpit. Yeah, there's no bully pulpit if nobody, if everyone knows you're not going to do anything. But there is because we are a globalized society and money talks. So if instead I simply tell my people in America and across the world, look, these guys are doing these bad things. Why don't we all say that? We should look how bad they're doing these bad things. 
And what begins so wait, to happen? Let me finish. Is we, what happens? Okay. The, the, well, careful because it sounds like you're about to. It sounds like you're about to justify sanctions or embargoes. Ah, oh, I, I, I am, but I'm not. Very clear. I am, but I'm okay. not. I'm okay with individuals deciding to purchase what they want to purchase when they purchase it. And if that means that by default it creates a sanction or an embargo, I'm okay with it. Why? Because then that is turned by morality, not by American interests. That is turned by the individual people who can actually forgive somebody or change. We decide Cuba is bad. Why? Because Cuba is bad. So we will do that for 70 years. But if Cuba, if the American people actually believe that the Cuban government is evil and horrible and we should not buy these specific things because this is how the Cuban government uh, teaches workers, we don't have to buy it. But now if there is a Cuban guy or gal who makes a company, who does it the right way, we can purchase from that person. We can decide. Yeah. Most of these Cubans are bad guys, but this one Cuban is awesome. Let's buy his shoes or his cars or his whatever. I don't think, That's but I don't think doing. people in markets don't make moral choices like this. People just buy whatever's cheapest. Not true I, at I all. don't think – I'll absolutely give you an example true. in New York State. I'll give you a specific example in New York State. Craft beers. Craft beers in New York State. And this is prior to COVID. I don't know what's what? happening now, but prior yeah, to because COVID, people will go COVID into Sure. These aren't moral choices. You, craft beers are a hobby. Given the opportunity to buy – craft beer is a hobby. It is not a necessity yes, for life. If I absolutely. need to buy something like food or clothes or gas for my car. You're not going to have an average American drive to the gas station and buy – they tried that after 9-11. I don't know if you remember seeing the tariff-free oil gas stations and shit that popped up. Nobody's going to pay more for those types of things because working class people don't have the, the luxury to make yes. moral choices when it comes to what they buy or don't buy. So you're not going to have people that are going to be supporting – and most people don't even know the conflicts that are going on in these countries. 95% of Americans couldn't find – Yemen on a map. So the yes. idea that they would be making choices at a store for what they want to buy based on those things, I, I don't think that's going to happen ever. You're never going to have any form of bully pulpit because you're never yep. going to have any form of sanctioning or embargoing. Two pieces I'll bring up. You're, I agree with everything you just said. Number one, because no one tells them, because we don't have enough people explaining exactly how bad we are for bombing people. And maybe a president should do that. Maybe a president should say what's actually happening and stop telling people because they have the bully pulpit and they don't. They spend time doing other stupid stuff. They should do that instead, number one. But number two, let's say you're right. And let's say the vast majority of Americans, I'm wrong, you're right. They don't care. I want the cheapest goods. I don't care about Yemen or I don't care about China. Then what, then what right does the government have to sanction if the American people don't care? If the American people actually don't care, and like we don't care if it's slave labor, we don't care. Let the slaves make it. If the American the point, people actually believe that, then why would the government – how does the government have a right to, to, to do with that? The issue? government has the right to do it because the government gets its power from the people. And if the government is the yeah. one that's enacting sanctions or tariffs and they're being voted on it, right? I imagine we elect leaders because you trust them to make these decisions. And in terms of like no. why don't people make these decisions because people – yes, absolutely. That's where our elected officials are elected by us because we entrust them to make these decisions. That's exactly how elected, it works. They're elected by us because of gerrymandering. That's how they're elected. No, nope, they're elected yes, by absolutely not. You can yes. slice up the country any way you want. There's a lot of Democrats. There's a lot of Republicans. The government functions exactly as it intends to, exactly as it means to, exactly nope. as it would, no matter how else you slice it up. There's absolutely. no parties in the Constitution. Parties are a thing they made up. Parties are not part of the Constitution at all. Our first president said don't have parties. It will just destroy us. Gerrymandering is a thing they just made up. Nope. These are selected. I've run for office, my friend. I know how this works. They are selected, and then because we decide with a, with a two-party system, the other guy is evil, whoever the good guys are, whoever they select is who goes off. 
We can talk about two-party systems or where they came from as much as you want. The reality yeah. is, is that our government, we could have 50 million parties in there if we wanted to. Our, yeah. We could have 50 million parties in there if we wanted to, and guess what? Every single one of them would have voted for us to invade Iraq after 9-11, no matter what, because, because, because that's just how the American population was at the time. There wasn't going to be a counterbalancing force there. So we can have a million parties if we want in, in office right now, but the reality is, is Americans are never going to feel a certain way, regardless of, I think you said it's because they don't tell them it enough. We talk to, or the government talks to, to people about foreign policy all the time anytime something comes up. The reality is, is that people don't care about it. Nobody really truly cares about what happens in the okay. Middle East. Nobody truly cares about what happens in these places. But we vote for leaders because we hope that they would enact some form of leadership that we would see as somewhat moral. So, for instance, if it came out that there was a country that was relying on actual, literal, horrible working conditions, slave labor, et cetera, et cetera, generally people will vote to like, oh, you know, well, maybe we should be involved in these sanctions or maybe we should be involved in this or that or whatever. Like generally, now that's not always how it works, right? So we trade with China and arguably their working conditions aren't that great. Um, although people try to speak up against that. And part of our negotiating trade agreements is trying to get those working conditions to be better. But yes. yeah, the idea that, the idea that um, every individual American is capable of deciding foreign policy with their wallet at the store I just don't think it's a very realistic no, burden to place I, on a working class person. I, I'm not saying that they all will do that. What I'm saying is I don't have a problem with the president talking about that. The the other answer you have is sanctions, right? So we're not going to invade Kuwait. We're going to sanction Kuwait or whatever we're going to do. We're not going to invade Iraq. Uh, sure. Iraq. We're going to sanction whatever. What You ask anybody who has dealt with a country that's been sanctioned. Always it affects the poor more than the wealthy. Every single time. That's That's a 100% rule. It, and here's the worst part. Sanctions are more effective the more democratic the country is and the more of an ally they are to us because they're tied to us. So the people who are enemies, who are autocrats, it affects them the least. That's the worst part. If you were to threaten sanctions against, say, Britain or Germany, that would hurt them far more than Iran because Iran is not tied to us already. Iran is, is sure, but if you're looking at the system, sure, so but that's because we're looking, sanctions? we're looking, we're looking at the perspective of it from the people in the country being sanctioned. But we seem to be completely ignoring the perspective of the country that's being invaded by or destroyed by the country that's being sanctioned. That country is being affected okay. as well. The poor people in an invaded country probably aren't being taken care of very well either. Okay, so let me ask you then, if I could, the 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 when has sanctions stopped the country from? Uh, invading i don't i can't remember that happening uh well i mean like in terms of what i'm familiar with uh, my understanding is that sanctions for iran are the big thing that brought them to the table for the iranian nuclear agreement under obama that was a huge part of that yes i i, I would i would buy that and my point though being because we already had sanctions what if we didn't have sanctioned them in the first place then they then would just be racing towards nuclear weapons why what it Please tell me because it buys them legitimacy in the region. In the region, it so makes them a stronger it, threat in that area. So why why doesn't Saudi Arabia have nuclear weapons? Why doesn't Egypt have super nuclear weapons? Why doesn't I, I imagine know, my guess is Japan, going to be I don't Germany. know what those talks look like, but my my my. Well, my guess is going to be is because the U.S. heavily discourages allies from procuring said nuclear weapons. I'm pretty sure we've even embargoed, I want to say it was South Korea in the past, yes. over buying nuclear reactors from France or something. We Like, we've yes. literally done that. Yes. So if we made Iran an ally, we would have more more uh, 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 power over them to make them not buy nuclear weapons. Yeah. Yes. That's I don't disagree. I don't. But I don't think if we drop the sanctions on Iran, they're not just going to become an American ally. I don't think it works that simply. It takes about 10 years. 
that's that's what happened in Vietnam. Ten years to become an ally or neutral. Ten more years to start trading. It happened in Vietnam. We bombed them physically. We didn't even bomb Iran. We bombed. We bombed Vietnam more than we bombed Germany and Japan. Twenty years later, trading partners. Ten years ally. Twenty years trading partner. We know it's if we're working. If, if if we're working in a world where we're opposed by another force, though, that doesn't want to be allies with us. So if we see that influence and we go back to the Cold War and the Soviet Union is gaining control of these countries, then they're not going to be our friend, even if however much trading we do. I don't know. Poland became our friend, even though they were in the in the Warsaw Pact. So did all the all the Baltic states. They did too. They all became our friends, even when they were underneath the uh, the, the Warsaw Pact. They were still our so friends. For the rest of the satellite, way, they were going out of their way to be our friend. And how many people defected from those countries? Like the Czechoslovakia, they deflected. I'm sure they defected, yeah, because because conditions in the in the second world sucked for the most yeah. part. Sure, because we. So but that's because of, because but us. that's but that but why is that though, right? That's probably through a series of embargoes, through a series of sanctions, through non-trade, through no. all of the economic power and might and alliances that we had in the West I'll, and in the first world. I'll tell you what it was: the black market. The black market got them to see ours. Why do North Korean people defect? Because South Korea is literally doing like parachutes and sending stuff over there to the black market so they can see what capitalism is like. That's why they defect. How else would they know? That's what happened in East Germany. That's what happened in Poland. It was the black market that went across there and people saw it. Sanctions create a black market, which means violence, which means poor people get hurt, which means someone who doesn't have enough money to buy food because they want those cool American blue jeans in the 70s or whenever it was, they literally don't go out to eat because they want to buy those damn jeans so bad. That's what wins. So let's end the embargo, give them the damn jeans, and they'll become our friends. Give them the Pepsi and the Coke, and they'll become our friends. Again, we've seen it happen before. I, I can't, I, I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but every country that we've spent time embargoing and hurting, every one of them, none of them have been better off. None of them have, have, have become more democratic, but everyone that we've just left alone and traded with has become more democratic. Vietnam is not a great country right now, but is it better than it was 30 years ago? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's better. So, okay, so in terms of a country that I think we tried to embargo for a bit and then it escalated into actual conflict for the Bosnian war, is this stuff that we should never intervene in as well? So when there's giant massacres going on, you've got Serbian friends trying to invade and massacre people to the south. Do we, is that just something you leave alone as well or? Yeah, that, the the, the Yugoslavian Balkan disaster is a tough one. It's another tough one. And I wish that was an easy answer. That, that was a powder keg to wait to explode since, since the Turks were in there. So that was a tough one. I, 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 it's hard for me to give an answer, but I would have to uh-huh. give the answer, which would still be in my, in what I feel is right, which is you have to let people have their own civil wars. When we don't let people have civil wars, things get worse. In America, we had our civil war. We had a revolutionary war. We had to have it to make a country. A lot of these areas that have been colonized, and the Balkans were colonized first by the Austrians and then by the Ottomans, and the Middle East was colonized by the, by the British and the French, and kind of by us now. If we don't let them become nations on their own, if we don't let them go through whatever civil war they want to go through, they don't, we don't solve anything. One of the reasons why we have so many problems in the Middle East is we haven't allowed them to create their own civil war and to create their own nations as they want to. We decided what the nations were, and we stopped the wars before they can end. 
So what, okay, so what I about places where what about places that are allowed to have their wars that we don't yes. intervene in? So if we look at like Darfur in Somalia, or if we look at like the Rwandan genocide. So these are on. So the Darfur stuff is ongoing. So yes. in Rwanda, it was some five hundred to eight hundred thousand people killed. Were these are these good things? Are these yeah, I'm going by conservative estimates, but sure. Some some would say that in excess of a million people, um, Tutsi or Tutsi, I don't know how it's pronounced in Rwanda. Tutsi. Um, Tutsi. So, and the Hutu. Is, is, so is the idea here that like our non-intervention was like a positive thing in these areas, that they are allowed to figure this out for themselves, that at some point some master race or people that have decided they're superior get to, to reign supreme? or as, And again, you, you're, giving me a, you're providing very good examples that are very tough. I would ask you, if the Hutu and the Tutsi believed, mm-hmm. and they did, that the right answer was that the other side was inhuman and that it was completely okay to literally hack people up with machetes because you are a Hutu or a Tutsi, and that's what they believed and did. If we had come in and stopped that war, how do you heal that wound? You don't. It just stays. And then 10 years later, it ignites again. And five years later, it ignites again. As horrible as that was, and by the way, that was all because of Belgian interventions in the first place. The Belgians created the Tutsi and the Hutu. They did not exist. They are fabricated tribes created by Belgians to decide who would be the ruling class and who wouldn't, and they'd fight each other and not fight the Belgians. So our intervention in the first place, again, is what created this. But now that it's here, they had to get through this. And for the Rwandans, as bad as it's been, it had, they've had apology courts. They've gone through all types of things. They, they are repairing a horrible wound. If we had gotten involved and stopped the fighting, they would still be fighting. Or 10 years later, if, if you think the other is literally vermin and you are okay with chopping them up because Americans show up with bombs, it's not going to stop you from thinking that. Isn't, isn't, that literally what happened, isn't that literally what happened with World War II, though? What do you mean? Didn't we literally invade multiple countries that thought that other people were less than them? Wasn't that the case with Japan? Wasn't that the case with Germany? And you know, uh, like we, yeah, we, we fought a war to stop the Nazis. You know what we still have? Nazis. Yeah, but we, Nazis, we, but lots of them. In Germany, we, in America, we, all over the place. They didn't go we away. Don't have, but we don't, we don't have a Nazi country, though. That's true. And I think yes, that the people, okay. and I think that there is a big difference between pockets of Nazis scattered throughout the world versus a Nazi empire that is dominating talking, the majority of Europe. Agreed, but we're right? talking Rwanda in this case, aren't we? Sure. Yeah. In but I'm case, just saying that, like you're saying that, like you're saying that, like we can't possibly step in and stop. Like maybe instead of over a million people dying, maybe it could have just been twenty thousand. You know, maybe maybe if we hadn't stopped the, with the Bosnian stuff, maybe that would have maybe everybody there would have been killed. Maybe the massacres would have been, you know, tens of thousands of people. Um, I, I don't know how many Bosniak Muslims there were. Um, you know, maybe, like, we could, theoretically, the, the things that we have intervened could have been way different. Maybe Saddam Hussein um, invades Kuwait, and like he did at the end of the Iraqi war, or war, maybe he just gasses, um, or like he did with the Kurdish people, maybe he just gasses everybody in Kuwait. Uh, yeah. Like, it, But maybe our intervention here stopped this, the way that intervening with... Hitler or intervening in Japan, you know, stop those regimes from the horrible atrocities that were, they were committing. Like, I, I understand that it's hard to point, like, we know every failure of American foreign policy because the past 20 years, this country has constantly been reminding us of the failures of American foreign policy. 70 years, not 20, 70. No, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. When I say that, I don't mean we've made mistakes of 20 years. I meant especially over the past 20 years, we've been oh, trying to be you. more mindful of the mistakes we've made. Yes. Um, because if we're talking about mistakes in U.S. foreign policy, we can go back over 200 years for that. Yes, um, that's true. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I guess I, the um, I, I don't think that. 
it seems like we it seems like we it seems like we just have two um we, we have this fundamental incompatibility where you think that the world will tend towards peace and prosperity if left to its own devices and that everybody just well is this rational no, economic no, or, or more peaceful and more prosperous yes. than we are now yes yes it'll be more prosperous and more peaceful than it is now if the yes. u.s just steps back from everything lets everybody else try to sort everything the way that they want to or whatever and I, yeah and, i just and I'll, I don't... I'll give you the once in a century we fight the hitler i'll buy that the once in a century we fight the hitler i'll buy that i'll give that we'll fight the hitler once in a century but every other war that we've been in this century I would wish, last century, I'm sorry, I wish we weren't in. I'll give you the Hitler one. Fine. We'll go stop. If we look at, let's say theoretically, let's say that everything that we currently know is happening to Uyghur Muslims and worse was happening in China. Would you justify an invasion against China being the economic power they are? No. Why would I want to invade China? Well, you said so to stop a Hitler. So let's assume that they are attempting a genocide of all of the Uyghur Muslims so that they can invade that what's supposed to be an autonomous region in Xinjiang. Um, but that's not autonomous. That's part of China. Sure, but well, they they were supposed to have agreements that is not China moving in, displacing all of the families, sterilizing people, and stealing their children, right? I, so I, it, as they as they here, do enact that policy, here is what I would do. Yeah. Here is what I would do mm-hmm. if I was president, like you said. I would mm-hmm. give all of this stuff to Congress and say, Congress, are you prepared to declare war on China? Are you ready? to send your men and women, young men and women, your children, and I have a child who's 17 years old, to send my children off to war and die for Uyghur Muslims. If the Americans go, yes, we care. We are prepared to die for Uyghur Muslims. Then off we go and I would and I would fight that war to the best of my ability and I would win to the best of my ability with the least amount of casualties possible and I would devastate them and win that war. But unless that happens, no, I as a president or as whomever, I don't get to go, well, that's bad. So all you people send your children to die over there. And when they come back, we'll ignore them. No, I was a Marine for well, isn't that, years. What, I don't what understand. I know is, yeah, I don't know. What I know is when I was a Marine, 19, 17, 18 years old, if my commander in chief at that point, it was, it was Ronald Reagan, my first commander in chief. If he had told me uh-huh. to go to China and kill Chinese people, I would have. And most of our military would, and they would die and leave their legs in the streets of, of Beijing if need be. Why would I take that power, that strength, that loyalty, and throw it away for nothing? I'm not doing it. I just, I under, I just don't understand the difference between this and invading Germany, then. Why would we vote to throw our soldiers' lives away just for fighting? I said no. Uh, wars I just on gave foot? it to you. I just gave it to you for fighting the Hitler thing. I just gave you the one. I said no to that, too, though. I said no to all of them. I just gave you the Hitler because fine. If that's all we were doing, I'll deal with it. I, I would accept that as the only time. Fine. We'll, we'll knock the Hitler out once in a while, once in a century. If this China one's one time per century, I, I guess fine. We'll do one. But the problem is that's not what we're doing. We have our fingers in every single pot. We're fighting in civil wars. How is that going to work? It hasn't worked yet. I, I I can't think of any win. I can't think of us winning a war since 1945. Have we won any? Unless you count Grenada as a war. I don't know if you count that as a war. If you count Grenada as a war, I guess we won that one if you count that. 
but I don't know if I count that. I mean, I would, I mean, I, I guess it just, it's a matter of perspective. I, like, I would argue the interventions in Korea, in Iraq, in Bosnia, in Kosovo, like, I would say that these are positive examples of U.S. interventions, but I guess you're saying that in other worlds, maybe Korea turns out better because it's united, or Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait, and, you know, Kuwait has a right to get destroyed, and that's their war to fight. So I guess it's not necessarily better if, Kuwait, in your eyes. Look. Kuwait mm-hmm. is is a is a country made up by Britain. It's a port that Britain made. Otherwise, it's not. It, there's no history to Kuwait. It's just the British said we want a port here. We don't want to give it to the Saudis. So we're going to put a port here, and we're going to call the Kuwait and put some guy in charge and call him the king. That's Kuwait. So, I, and that that wasn't even a bloody war. I mean, compared to other ones, it wasn't even a bloody war. But my point is, do we as Americans want to send our youth to die? In the case of Kosovo and Yugoslavia, that was really an air war. I mean, we lost almost no ground troops. I think we lose six or seven or something like that. We lost almost no ground troops in in in, uh, in Yugoslavia. We had a couple of our pilots captured here or there who were shot down. But even they didn't die. They didn't die. They were, we got them back. We got so them back, yeah. We, we, we lost almost no troops. In, 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 so that's why Yugoslavia, not bad. It basically was a, a, an air war, which is still not great. But they still have problems there. They're still fighting each other. So, so this, you keep mentioning this that like civil wars, if they're not allowed to fight, they're still gonna have problems. Would you would you like support then on one side of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Just one of those sides just needs to annihilate the other so that they can move forward happily into the future. No, no, no. I can tell you what should have happened. I'm, just, I'm glad you brought this up. One of the reasons why, and I actually did a video on this. If anybody cares, it's on my on my page in the the Iraqi. I'm sorry, the uh, the Israel-Palestine conflict. One of the reasons why we're still fighting there is we never let the war end. If you look at the last time they fought, and I live in New York City, there are many Egyptians in New York City. In fact, an area near me in Queens is actually called Little Cairo. There are many Egyptians and many Jews in New York City. You ask someone who's Israeli or Jewish who won the war of 70 of 73. Oh, every Israel goes, Israel won. Ask any Egyptian. Egypt won. They both believe they won. That was why it took so long to get an actual peace treaty there, because they thought they 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 thought that they had both won. The, the problem is we stepped in. There should not be any occupied territory. There should have been an actual peace treaty that said this area is now Israel oh, wait, and this, this area is now Palestine. That didn't who, happen. It, it, I, they have, they have, they wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who, wait, people legitimately believe that Israel lost that war? Correct. Yes. Ask, ask some of your Egyptian friends. If you, I don't know if you have any Egyptian friends. I, I have some. Ask them. They will tell you. Yeah, we won. Of course we did. Okay. We, only st- we stopped because the Americans forced us to stop. Yes, they believed they had to stop because America told them to stop. Otherwise, they were going to beat Israel. Yeah, because we went in and stopped the war. So their propaganda is we were going to win, but the Americans stopped us. And they've been raised on that. So they believe it. Yeah. Okay. So my point is, if we would have so moving, moving. Yeah. we didn't. Again, we, we just every time Israel, Israel fought, we didn't let the war end. Right? So, what if this war ends in the annihilation of one side? If that is like the natural ending to it, is what uh, I'm asking. I would hope it wouldn't, and I would try to stop it, and I would try to get people to do the right thing. I would try to have negotiations. But now you say try, but you try. wouldn't. There is no real trying we can do. We can just shout at them because we're not going to go to war, or do anything with anybody because we're not interventionalists. So, what does trying even correct. mean? Yeah, it, the, look, who makes. I'll, I'll tell you what the outcome has been. If you go prior to World War II, in the Middle East, America was looked upon as an actual honest broker. 
because we didn't want to in any way, shape, or form conquer anything. We just wanted to get oil. That's all we cared about back then. We looked upon as an honest broker. Now we're not. So what we have done has not worked. It, the Middle East is still a disaster. They're still fighting. There's wars every every 10 years or whatever. There's wars in, 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 in northern Israel again. There's, it's still fighting everywhere. There's wars every 10 years in this area. What, have we, what has our intervention done? It Could it be worse? I mean, maybe it could be worse. But if we had just walked away, say after 73, once Israel's up and running as a nation, and we walk away. Right now, Israel and Saudi Arabia are allies. Right now, Israel and Saudi Arabia are allies. They're allies. Israel has nuclear weapons. Israel will be fine. They're fine. No one's invading Israel and taking them over. It's not going to happen. I mean, they're going to have border wars. But then if we would have let them end that war, here's the future. I mean, we just, the, thing, the, thing, like, I, I, the thing I can't argue against is like we have no idea if that's true. You have no idea if that's true. There's You're massive right. pressure from a multitude of countries. So it's possible that Israel isn't fine. It's possible that Israel just gets destroyed almost you immediately. Right now? You mean yes. right now? No, yes, right now. No. Why? Please, How? Please, if you could show me any historian or any expert who would say that, I'd love to see that. They have the most powerful military, nuclear weapons. The they not that the they're the most powerful. They, they, economy they, they in are area. incredibly powerful. But if yes. that country loses all support from the United States, you don't think the the slow downfall of that country? They're not going to get invaded overnight. Obviously, of course not. Yes. You don't think the pressure from everyone else in the Middle East wouldn't eventually come to bear on, on Israel? I here's what I would here's what I would say. Say America said we're not going to invade if anyone invades you. But we're still going to trade with you. We're still going to go back and forth with, with dual citizenship that we have. I mean, I know how many how many people I know here in New York who are dual citizens of, of Israel and America. I mean, I know dozens. So there's probably I, I assume there's probably millions. I don't know that. But I personally know dozens who are dual citizens. They still trade with the EU. All this economic pressure that they're going to they're say, no, don't invade. Other nations will be like, don't do it. It's, this is the wrong answer. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Israel will be invaded right now. They're in a position we have to worry about it. Right now, America is not going to be invaded. Now, that could change. And Israel's situation could change. I'm talking now. They're not going to get invaded now. Israel is in no danger of being invaded now. Being attacked, yes, and they have been attacked. But not invaded. And neither are we. We're not going to be invaded. All our enemies are not enemies. Who's invading us? Nobody. Why are we so scared? No one's going to invade us. The Chinese can't. It's not. Yeah, of course, nobody, nobody is invading us. But that's like the the first grader look of like, what is the problem in in foreign affairs? We're not worried about people invading us. It's other forms of attack and then other forms of economic pressure and then other countries that are being invaded. So then let's mm -hmm. then let's trade more and more. Let's be more valuable in that regard. That's what China is doing. China's winning Cold War Two because they're trading and not fighting. We're fighting proxy wars. In Cold War Mm One, the Soviet Union was senior and China was junior. And we were fighting with espionage in the Russians, and we were fighting the proxy wars against the Chinese. Now it's swapped. Now the Chinese are senior, and they're fighting cyber wars with us, or economic wars with us, and they're winning. And and Russia is fighting cyber wars with us, and they're fighting proxy wars in, in Russia or in, in, I'm sorry, not in Russia, in Ukraine or in uh, Syria. And we're losing this time. We're losing because China is not doing dumb stuff. China is not invading other countries. China is cleaning up their own stuff internally, which I hate and is terrible. And they're using uh-huh. economics. We should use economics. I'd rather- I don't disagree. I don't disagree yeah. in using economics. I think it's incredibly positive to do so. I, but the abandonment of interventionism, but obviously, it's what the whole conversation is about. Yes. Um, 
What do you? So I think we've covered most of the ground here. What's the next? Or I don't know if you want to do a Q and A or what you want the. What does the next part of this look like? Uh, blue politic. You tell us. Yeah, if you guys would like to take about uh, you know fifteen twenty minutes for questions, I yep. think that'd be really great. Yeah, go for All it. Right. Do you field questions or where? Who's the? I actually uh, have one from my chat. If you want to take one from my chat. Yeah, sure. Um, before you do that, just uh, anyone listening in, would um, use the uh, Destiny v Sharp channel, uh, discordgg slash bluepolitics uh, for uh, questions. Go ahead with uh, one from your chat. Um, this this guy's name is Hibern Hiberniel. He says, "Would Destiny be okay with telling a war fatigued populations that their sons and daughters, his own sons and daughters, where if he were a parent, should be drafted?" Or die over to draft to die overseas. Yeah, I mean it depends on the type of war. I mean we have buy-ins for our society in order for it to function, and part of that buy-in is the agreements that the that not only does the United States have with its own citizens, but the United States has with the citizens of other countries. So yeah, I mean much the same that you might be called on to serve a war to defend your country, maybe to defend an ally, but it, it just it, that's part of the buy-in. Like it's like paying taxes; it's a part of the buy-in for the society. Sure. There we go. Uh, obviously now, to be say, clear, to, to, yeah, I, well, to be clear, that doesn't mean that I instantaneously agree that every single war is justifiable, or that every single conflict is a good conflict. I think that we have done a lot of bad foreign policy, uh, but I, 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 I think that t- the, the full-on isolationist approach, I just think, is I, I just that's our whole it's conversation. It's not yeah, isolationist. I, I, it's non-interventionalist. Non-interventionalist. Yeah. It's not. I, I'm not about isolationism. That's not a good idea. I think I want us engaging like there's no tomorrow. Just not with bombs. I think our culture is far more powerful than any bomb will ever drop. Right. Uh, first question we have. Uh, it's specifically the, the users curious about Larry's position. Um, I, I'd like to hear from both of you guys. Uh, what do you guys think about the UN? Should we have one? I, I am a fan of the UN, believe it or not. And I'm a fan for a very important reason. I think we should not leave the UN. I don't like the fact that it can send peacekeeping force. I think that sucks. I don't like the fact that it actually has any power. But what I like about the UN is the UN allows nations to save face. In other words, we can go to the UN and slap our shoe on the table and say, we will destroy you without actually destroying you. We can go up there and shake our fists at countries we're mad at without having to actually drop bombs. So I'm not a fan of some of the things the UN does, but I do think a UN should exist. I'm not against getting rid of the UN. I wish they pull it out of New York City because it destroys traffic for me all the time. So I wouldn't like I'd like it to go to the city, but I'm not against the UN. Um, I just don't like the power that it has. I think it's good that it can do things like help to cure diseases and such. I'm 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 not so against the UN. I just don't I don't like the fact that it can take uh, soldiers and put in other people's countries. Destiny. Um, I'm the more multi like country agreements and collaboration you can get together. Generally, I'm always in favor of stuff like that. Right. Uh, so general question here, you know, obviously you guys have been talking a lot about intervention uh, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but a lot of times we've intervened, you know, it hasn't worked out great. It hasn't been as good as world war two was, um, though that had its own issues going forward. How should we be uh, making a determination whether or not we should intervene. Uh, Destiny? 
Um, I, there's probably like a cascading series of things that you would consider. Um, number one is you obviously would defend your own country and your own territories. So if a U.S. state or territory is being invaded, that would need some sort of intervention. Um, step two would probably be anybody that's involved in NATO. Um, these are countries that we have an agreement with that if you're invaded, that we're going to step in and we're going to defend. Um, and then uh, number three would probably be from there, um, UN decisions to intervene or do things. So I believe in Bosnia initially you had the UN, um, peacekeeping forces that were sent in and then eventually we made more decisions to step in and do things there. Um, and then uh, number four would potentially be the quote unquote, the moral interventions. So, um, places where there are like ongoing genocides that don't have a good reason for happening um, that seem to be incredibly one-sided. Like th that would vary from place to place. But like, I think arguably places like Rwanda and Darfur are probably places that we should be intervening in because of the amount of like death and destruction. But those, that, that, the moral part, the number four gets a lot more subjective at that point. That's Larry? my biggest issue is the, is the moral part, right? Because if we, if we go the moral part, what winds up happening is we only attack the weak ones. Because we're not going to invade uh, Russia for doing what it's doing in, in Crimea. We're not. We're not going to invade China for doing what it's doing to the Uyghurs. We're just not going to. There's no way we could win a war against China unless we use nuclear weapons, which we're not going to. There's no way we could actually win a war against Russia, probably. I mean, the amount of time and energy put against them unless we use nuclear weapons, which we're not going to. So what does that mean? We're only going to invade weak countries. That's all we're going to do. The, the, the powerful ones will still do what they want anyway. So that's why I have a problem with that. But I don't want to be in any permanent treaties with the exception of being part of the UN. I don't want to be part of NATO. I don't want to be part of any of those things. There is no need, in my view, there's no need for any of those. Because now if Estonia does something stupid and gets invaded by Latvia, do I now have to get involved? In theory, yes. What happens, what, what happens if, if, uh, if, if Putin does get you know, crazy and takes a chunk of Estonia and says, well, this is traditionally Russian territory. So I'm going to take these, whatever, 25 square miles as a test of my power against Estonia. Do we now have to go to war against Russia over that? I'm, if we do, I'll go to my same thing. Here's my fallback, and it's going to be my fallback for all war. If I can present a case to who is the enemy and what we're destroying and ask Congress for a declaration of war, and if Congress says declaration of war, yes, that's the enemy, go, Commander-in-Chief, destroy that enemy, we're at war, then I would say, okay. The fact is, we don't do that anymore. We haven't declared war since 1942. That's the last time the United States declared war. Everything else since then has been some president being pissed off and thinking he could go attack people. And it's all of them have been in someone's civil war. It's been, let's get involved in somebody's civil war. That's, that's what we've done for the last 70 years. We should have done none of that, and I mean zero of that. So that's where I stand. All right, next questions uh, for both of you from Fergus. Uh, in World War II, Australia was trading freely with Japan until war was declared. It got to the point that bombs dropped on Darwin and the guns fighting against the Anzacs in Papua were made of Australian steel. So that's saying that the Japanese were using Australian uh, yeah. resources to fight them. Uh, Fergus wants to know, how can we trade freely with our ideological enemies and ensure that resources aren't used against us like this? We No, no, uh, this, this, this literally is my point. The Australians weren't going to go to war against Japan. They went to war against Japan because they were part of the British Empire. They wouldn't have gone to war against Japan. They were trading with Japan. Japan didn't want to invade Australia. They were getting steel from Australia. 
that's that's literally my point. If Australia was an independent nation, not part of the of the United Kingdom and, and the British Empire, meaning they have to go to war whenever British Britain goes to war, then they wouldn't go have gone to war. There wouldn't have been an Anzac troops landing in places. It wouldn't have happened. That that's literally my piece. If we wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have gone to war. Uh, Destiny, do you have any thoughts you want to share on that one? Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, so question about uh, uh, lobbying. Um, how should we handle uh, lobbying uh, that's done to influence our foreign policy, uh, specifically from you know groups that favor one uh, nation over another? Either you guys? This is a real tough one um, because this has to have, for this to actually get better, there have to be massive changes. And I'll say what they are, but to be forward, they're fantasies, right? But I'll tell you what they are. First off, we have to stop making corporations and entities people. That shouldn't exist. That is a terrible idea and it shouldn't exist as it is because that's what allows things like PACs and such and dark money when it comes to that type of thing. It's much easier when you have that, that's number one. And we're nowhere near doing that, but that would be number one. The second thing is full transparency on who is doing the lobbying and who is giving the money. Also a fantasy, what I'm saying is fantasy, I know. But if we were actually able to stop that so that people had to be fully transparent, you'll find a difference. And my, my I guess my example of that is looking at people like Bloomberg or back in the day, Newt Gingrich, when these people were obviously paying for everything themselves, when we knew they were the one behind it, a lot of people were like, no, we don't want it because it was thought of as one person's you know, idea. And the idea of lobbying was the individual versus a bunch of people. I think if, it was, if we saw lots of people giving or caring, it would change how we lobby. I think that would be a good piece. And if there is a way that might be more realistic, it might be in... in maybe um, changing the tax code. And only because a simpler tax code means many lobbyists will go away. Many of them make money on tax code changes. So if, if there were less lobbyists, because they wouldn't make enough money on tax code changes, then probably there'd be less lobbyists doing other things also. Again, it's a stretch, but it's a tough problem. And I think that the, the question is a good one. Destin, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, lobbying is just something I'm concerned with. I don't think lobbying has nearly the impact that people think it does. Um, so it's not something that I'm like uniquely concerned with right now. All right. Next question is specifically for Destiny from user Donkey. Uh, would there be any utility to changing our Middle Eastern allegiance from Saudi Arabia to Turkey and Iran? Um, Turkey is a pretty close U.S. ally um, in the region. Um, Iran, I, I, I mean, if we had the capability to be close to Iran, we would, but I mean, that's not the side that they're on. I don't think Saudi Arabia would be happy with that. Um, or I, I don't know how Israel would feel. That would, I just, I don't know. There'd be like, that'd be like such a change up of our current allegiances. I don't know how that would, I don't, I don't know how that would work. It's hard to factor. I don't have to think about that a lot. Like we'd be like switching sides with everybody because they would all hop from like being kind of like more close to Russia to us. So with, with Iran, we would also get like Syria as well. Um, and then we would lose. I guess Iraq is already kind of lost. We would lose Saudi Arabia, the rest of the Gulf states, maybe Israel. I don't, I don't know. That's, I, that's a hard one to consider. I'm not sure. I, I think we probably have the better allies in the region right now, though, in terms of like economic prosperity and in terms of what they have to offer the world. I think we're probably doing better on the other side of that conflict. In my view, we should have, they should all be our allies. 
to trade with them all. Let's open up trade with all of them. Let, let's trade with all of them. That's that's my answer. Slowly but surely, they'll all become our allies. That's my hope. It might take 20 years, but let's start now. We, we've been We've been bothering the Middle East for decades and it's been failing. Let's try my way for a couple of decades. What's the worst that happens? It stays as bad as it is? Okay, then I'm wrong. But I feel like my ideas aren't crazy. Trying for 20 years. We've been trying this way for more than 20 years and it's been failing. Let's try this way. All right, so we talked a little bit about uh, World War II and also Rwanda was mentioned. Um, Really simple question. Should we, as a rule, always intervene if a foreign country is engaging in genocide? Uh, Destiny? Um, It depends on what definition of genocide we're running with there. Um, But I I think that, it, man, it really depends on what definition of genocide we're running with there. I, I would say that for the worst forms, I'm kind of begging the question. I would say that we, we probably should. It seems if we're going to pretend to have any type of like international morality, it seems like that would be a calling for us to do so. Um, but it feels like that would have to be a declaration or a decision made by some bigger governing body like the, I say governing body, but some bigger institution like the UN rather than just a unilateral decision made by us. I would actually Larry? swap. I would swap that. I don't want the UN making the decision. Because the UN has China and Russia on it to decide what's right and what's wrong. And China's doing it and so is Russia. So I don't want the UN making those decisions. That's why I don't want the UN making decisions. I want it to be a place for us to go, to talk, to chat, a place to yell at each other. I build di- di- diplomacy through it. That's what I want. I don't want to make a decision because of that. Is China going to say they're, they're killing the Uyghurs? No. Is Russia going to say they've invaded Crimea? No. So the UN's not going to work. I, that, that's, that's, that I would never do. I would go back to what I always talk about. We should not have a general rule of, an, of, of getting involved, even with genocide. To Destiny's point, who decides what a genocide is? Do I decide? You decide? Number one. Number two, if we do that, only the weak countries get invaded. We're not going to invade Russia and China. It's not going to happen. If the Brazilians start killing their, uh, their, native, their indigenous population, we're not going to invade Brazil. It's not going to happen. So we should, we should only get involved. And the only body who can decide that is our Congress, that's it, if they go, yes, we are prepared to send our 17, 18, and 19-year-olds to die in X country, then okay, then we go. If it's not that, we don't go. All right. So I know it's getting late, and at least one of you is uh, old. So last question we've got here. I'm the one. <laughs> uh, last question here. Uh, China has been posturing in the South China Sea uh, making territorial claims and expansion. Mm-hmm. They claim 80% of the South China Sea belongs to them uh, within a few miles of the shores of Brunei and the Philippines. If China takes aggressive action that leads to actual conflict in the area, should the U.S. intervene defensively to support whoever uh, is at war with China in the South China Sea? Uh, Larry? Uh, I feel like a broken record, um, but I'm going to say it again, Un- unless unless Congress says do it. Because, look, the reality of it is that's going to be a naval war if that happens. At the moment, China has zero chance of beating us in a naval war. No chance. They have a they have a relatively large navy compared to others. But but navy, navies require tradition to be powerful and to do what's required. And we have a naval tradition. They don't. We will devastate their navy in a naval battle. 
at the moment. That may not be true 10 or 20 years from now, but at the moment. But the point is, even if we do, in that kind of area, we're going to lose sailors, probably thousands of them. Do I want to lose thousands of sailors? Only if Congress says yes. Otherwise, no. No, I do not want to send our men, to women to die, ourselves to go to the bottom of the ocean because they care about some territorial. No. In Destiny? Um, yeah, I would say that ensuring that China doesn't begin to be aggressively expansionist is probably a good thing. Um, <clears throat> I think that the existence of like Taiwan and Hong Kong are important. I think they represent good things. Um, and I wouldn't want to see all of that just fall to China because we decide to let them have their way in that region of the world. Right. Well, thanks guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I guess we'll wrap it up here. Um, where blue politics you can find us twitch.tv slash blue politics or discord.gg slash blue politics. Uh, Larry, where can people find you? Sharpway.com or LarrySharp.com. Both of them are awesome. I have a lot of stuff going on. Please check it out. My show is on all the time. Destiny, thank you, brother. I appreciate the time that you gave us. You gave me two hours, brother. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. I'm uh, Destiny on Twitch and Destiny on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Cool. Thanks one. a lot. I appreciate it. Yep. Bye.